this episode, I interview Brother Ruben Bazan. We discuss his love for the shrine, Laredo Freemasonry, the importance of being able and willing to adapt, and the value of fraternity. This is Masonic Improvement, a podcast dedicated to taking good lodges and making them better. And I am the host, Justin Jones. Thank you for joining today. Before we cut to the interview, I'm trying a little bit different format in this episode. Previously, I would do a wrap-up after the actual interview and share my own thoughts. I'm going to exclude that from this episode. If you enjoyed the wrap-up after the interview and you would like for me to continue that, uh, if this is on YouTube, please just uh, leave a comment and let me know. Otherwise, just reach out to me on Facebook. I'll include a link to my page below. Send me a message, leave a comment, let me know what your thoughts are. Do you want to keep the follow-up? Do you want to do away with it altogether? Finally, there's one really important thing that every one of you could do for me. If you are on Facebook, please smash that like button. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening to the podcast, please leave me a positive review. Uh, Also, be sure to share that with other like-minded brethren that you think might enjoy it. Now, with all that out of the way, let's cut straight to the interview with Brother Ruben Bazan. Ruben Bazan, everybody. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on to my show today. Of course, of course. Very happy to be here. I'm honored to to be a guest so thank you well it's an honor to have you frankly um let's get let's get straight into uh the conversation tell, tell us a little bit about your masonic background well uh, i was took me a while to become a master i was one of those uh uh latent kind of guys um i was entered 2011 passed 2012 raised in 2013 um so it took me a while. I was, tra- tra- I was traveling a lot for work uh, in that part of my life. So it was difficult for me to, to, to go through the degrees um, in a timely manner. But yeah, I went through it. And uh, I'm currently, I belong to two lodges, Laredo Lodge 547. I'm the senior deacon there. And I belong to Zapata Lodge, uh, number 1402, which is about 60 miles south of Laredo. Very cool. Are you? Um, in... Go ahead. Yeah. Um, York Rite, Scottish Rite, Shrine. Um, I've done it all. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So very active then, huh? Yeah, well, I'm more active in the Shrine, to be honest with you. That's uh, other than Blue Lodge, Shrine is kind of where I focus a lot of my energy. Um, I've, I've, I've found, I've found, uh, I'd say like a second home in the shrine. Um, it's, it's, it's work that I love to do. And that it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, we see the work be done and um, it's beautiful work that I hope never to do again. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you don't want, you don't want kids uh, to need this kind of help, but mm-hmm. being able to offer it um, is, is truly phenomenal, especially with the team that we have. So so that's when I when I explain to people, you know, I love doing shrine work, but I hope to never have to do it again. That's what I mean. It's just, I you know, you know, it's it's painful to see kids, you know, going through pain and suffering. And um, but I'm glad that, you know, so many like minded guys come together for that cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My dad actually went through a uh, shrine burn center when he was very young. So, oh, yeah, I know it. I know it. Definitely helps. I have yet to join the Shrine or Scottish Shrine or anything outside of York Rite and AMD, but um, I know I know that the Shrine does really good things with the hospitals. 
And like you said, you know, you hate, it's unfortunate that any child ever has to be in that situation uh, that they, that they're at a point where they need something, you know, that, that we can offer, but it is, it is a blessing that we can offer it to them. Right. Right. So we'll, we'll work day and night, 24 hours a day to, to make that happen. Yes, sir. So why did you join Freemasonry? I joined Freemasonry because <clears throat> I'll explain uh, my fraternal background, not just Masonic, but <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a member, of, I'm a brother of Pi Kappa Phi, the Greek letter organization. Um, I, I joined the American University chapter in Washington, DC, which is where I went to school. <clears throat> and uh, when I came home from college, I wanted a similar experience. There's no Pi Kappa Phi chapter in Laredo. The closest chapter is the UTSA. So for quite some time, I advised that chapter, but I was looking for that kind of brotherhood in Laredo. Um, and many Greek letter organizations, I'm sure you know, um, have some Masonic um, you know, affiliation in some way, shape, or form. Uh, they won't really tell you what it is, but you know the similarities are pretty striking. Um, so I found a lodge in Laredo. Laredo Lodge 547 is the only Masonic lodge in Laredo. And um, wow. so I don't have any, uh, and none, none of my, none of my ancestors were Masons, not at least not that I know of. Um, I, my father wasn't a Mason. My grandfather wasn't either. I don't know about any uncles that were, I think I'm probably the first Mason in my family to uh to join here's hoping that i start a legacy mm-hmm. um and um so i i i literally emailed the secretary of the lodge and i actually emailed the, the grand secretary of the grand lodge of texas first they put me in touch with the secretary here the that was uh the secretary of the Laredo lodge at the time and he said yeah you know what just come on over to my office and we'll talk about it and uh, see if it interests you um, so I went to his office and we talked for some time and it was something that I was interested in. And I went to the lodge, started, you know, showing up, shaking some hands. And um, here I am now, <laughs> 10 years later. How big is the city of Laredo? Uh, <clears throat> last I saw was about 263,000 or something. Wow. And they have one lodge. And we have the one lodge. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, is there a reason behind that? Have there been lodges that have merged with it or, or is it just No, kind of- uh, well, from, from what I gather, there is a clandestine lodge in Laredo too. Mm-hmm. Um, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk about that. Understandably. <laughs> um, but I've never really known if there was another one. I, I really don't think there is. Um, Laredo Lodge was established 18, 1881, 1883, something like that. Um, so it's been around for a while, um, but I really don't know why there isn't another one. And we've never really seen a need for another one, really. It's an active lodge. Um, <clears throat> we, we do have, we do get our interested um, solicitants and um, so it's going pretty good. But again, I don't, I've never really seen a need for another lodge. Interesting. How did the reality of Freemasonry compare with your expectations? Reality of Freemasonry. Well, you know what? I, 
kind of a difficult question to answer because um, I wanted a fraternal experience. I knew going in that it was not going to be like a Greek letter organization. Uh, there were going to be some similarities, but, you know, limited. And, um, you know, I just wanted to surround myself with like-minded individuals who just wanted to become better people. And, you know, it's my experience with Freemasonry is kind of similar to me going off to college, not joining the Greek letter organization. It was more of a, you know, Laredo is a small town and I grew up on the Mexican side too, um, which is like twice or three times bigger than Laredo, Texas. Oh. Um, so Nuevo Laredo does have about six or seven lodges. So, <laughs> um, but it was, it was, it was a kind of an eye opener for me because, you know, growing up, I grew up in, you know, some would say a bubble, you know, all of my friends were, you know, you know, white Mexican Catholics, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, um, you know, that's, that's the, the, you know, the majority of, you know, the area. And um, so we're going to college, I found myself in, in a world where there was, you know, many different races, many different religions, ideologies, philosophies, politics, things like that, beliefs. And it was the first time that I would really uh, del uh, delved into, you know, a population that's vastly different than mine. So joining the lodge here in Laredo, I found myself kind of feeling the same way. You know, I've, I've, I've met, not just in Laredo Lodge, Freemasonry in general. Um, I, you know, I've met brothers from, you know, all over the country with so many different beliefs and they all come together for one common goal. Um, so it, what I love about Freemasonry is that it removes a lot of the, um, how, how could I say it? Sometimes I take a while to answer because I think in Spanish and I'm like translating in real time. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, it, it takes away a lot of the, the drama that comes with, you know, politics and religion, you know, we're not supposed to talk about that in, in, in Lodge. And I've actually been able to apply that in my work as well. I'm a radio personality here in Laredo. Mm -hmm. And every time they ask me, what, uh, what are your topics? I say everything except politics and religion. And everybody thanks me for it because they, <laughs> they, they see how, how divisive it could be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's something that I found in the lodge. It's uh, the, you know, the amount of respect that I've received from everybody else um, is, is beautiful. And I vow to give it back. You know, it's mm -hmm. so many people come together from so many walks of life under one common goal. So that I did find um, in masonry. I couldn't really tell you what my expectations were at the beginning. It was all new to me. Again, I didn't have any uh, family members that were Masons. Um, I don't think I knew a single Mason in my life, or maybe I did. I just didn't know they were, you know, um, but it has, it has been a beautiful ride and I'm grateful for it. So what would you say the strengths and weaknesses of our fraternity are? Uh, we find ourselves, I think, in a period in society where more and more ideas are being shared um, with the advent of the Internet. Call it what you will. Um, 
you know, people are a lot more vocal. We're learning about so many types of people now. And, you know, one of the, one of the main things that Freemasonry teaches us is tolerance, you mm -hmm. know? So if we have a, and, you know, those, those teachings go back, you know, centuries. Mm -hmm. And right now we find ourselves in a period of time where we need to be more tolerant than ever. So I think that's one of the strengths of Freemasonry is that you can apply that virtue, um, you know, across the board in order to become a better world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so many strengths in, in, in Freemasonry. What beauty of it too is that you can branch out to so many different things. You'll eventually find something for you in Freemasonry, right? It's, uh, it's, I, I do see an influx of young people wanting to find fraternity, to find brotherhood. And uh, I, I believe it's only going on the up and up. What are the weaknesses? Um, like every organization, it has, it does have its weaknesses. There are some, um, I mean, you see this in the business world as well, you know, some of the things that worked in the past might not always work for the future. Some of them will, some of yeah. them will. Absolutely. You know, there are some there, you know, there are rules and then there are theories and principles, you know, like, you know, principle can tell you, you know, this, this has worked in the past and we hope it continues working and it probably will continue working. And then some things just kind of don't apply anymore. There are a lot of things that, you know, many of the coming generations don't identify with anymore mm -hmm. and you know we we, we we i don't want to say sadly but you know we we, we do have to adapt yeah. you know if, you know if, if if we if we don't adapt to what people want um at the same time uh bringing together what has worked in the past um the fraternity isn't going to flourish the way we want it Mm -hmm. so you mentioned that there are a few things that probably worked at one time but they're just not really relevant or applicable anymore can you think of any examples uh off the top of my head i couldn't but you know the simple notion of saying you know this is the way we've always done it that in itself can be hurtful mm -hmm. you know and it, it depends on the topic of course um but there are some, sometimes you do have to look for other avenues of, of, you know, teaching certain ideologies of raising money for scholarships or for the hospitals or, you know what I mean? Like there's so many things that we can apply now, uh, even to the, you know, smallest details, you know, it's for a while and, and, and I don't, and I don't mean to talk bad about, you know, my, my, uh, <clears throat> my club affiliations or whatever, but even small things like, can we set up a PayPal account? Oh no, I don't know what that is. Uh, that's a little scary. Uh, let's just do the whole check thing from now on until the end of time. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like little details like that, that, um, you know, some members of the fraternity are comfortable with, some are not. It's all about finding a, a middle ground, but you do, but you do have to adapt. Yeah, uh, and it happens not just in fraternities. It happens in every organization and every business. Uh, if you don't adapt to the times, you're gonna you're gonna get left behind. Well, what's funny about that is if you look historically, Freemasonry has always been kind of on the forefront 
of adopting, uh, you know, new technologies and things like that. Many lodges were the first places in many communities that you started using um, the magic lanterns, which were kind of a, a precursor to uh, slideshow presentations. Mm -hmm. And then, and then actually moving into slideshow presentations, they were one of the first organizations and many communities that adopted those. However, something happened, and now we're scared of new things like you know, like PayPal and. Even even some jurisdictions are scared of uh, letting their their largest set up Facebook accounts. Right, so even <laughs> participating in social media can be scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely very interesting, and I, and I, I agree with you. Where do you see our course? Or, I'm sorry. Where do you see our current course taking us in the next 10, 20, or thirty years? I don't know where it's going, but I'm excited as to where it's going. For some reason, I'm, I have a lot of faith in the fraternity. Uh, again, I, I speak to a lot of a lot of guys that you know they have their ideas and they're passionate about it. Um, you know, and you have to kind of be careful with with passion. You can't like let Freemasonry be the only thing that's in your life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's supposed to be. You know the the. The fraternity is supposed to be it's supposed to enhance your life it isn't supposed to be your life at least that's the way i see it personally right. um you know you don't want you don't want to get fanatic about it uh we all know where that goes yes <laughs> but but um you know I, I i do believe that there are a lot of young people that are coming in i mean in 10 20 30 years the guys right now that are going into college in 30 years they're going to be 48 you know, so um, I'm excited to see what they're going to learn, what they're going to bring into the fraternity, because I think it's only going to grow. I, and I do want to keep, you know, many of the uh, traditions that Freemasonry does have, uh, because that's what makes it what it is. But again, mm -hmm. we do have to we do have to adapt. <clears throat> I do. I see it as a progressive thing. I think um, there was a time period in Freemasonry where um there was some sort of arrested development where, you know, people, people just kind of got stuck somewhere. Um, even in, in the maintenance of the lodges and everything, you can, there are a lot of lodges you walk in and it's, you know, you, you, you can smell the shag, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like walking into a time capsule. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's something quaint and nice about that too. I'm not going to lie, because I, I do like tradition. I do like history, but I do like progress as well. So, yeah. but I am excited about where it's going. I do think that um, with, again, the fact that we're communicating at a much higher level now, just society in general, not just Freemasons, just society in general is communicating more. I think more and more uh, people are going to look for those kind of um uh, those kind of organizations, those kind of brotherhoods, those kind of, you know, friends and bonds mm -hmm. that many times, you know, are falling by the wayside because, you know, life gets in the way, people start getting married, they have kids. Um, but I, I strongly believe that men do need that, that, um, that those male, male bonding experiences and Freemasonry really does offer that. Um, so I think more and more people are going to start looking for that. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. I also firmly believe that 
men need to to have a place where they can be in the company of other men. You know, it's it's like a uh, almost like being among your peers, mm-hmm. where where you you have that opportunity to to grow. The best. Let me back up. The best place to grow as a man is in the company of other men. Right. And not just not just other men, because that could be for better or worse. If you're in a company of the wrong men, you know, it's going to it's going to shape you in the wrong way. A Freemasonry gives men an opportunity to be, you know, in in the company of other good men that are like minded. And that's powerful. Right. You know, and, and there's there's not to go off on a tangent or anything, but I know that there are some some mindsets that are kind of opposed to the idea and not necessarily in the, in, in the fraternity, but outside the fraternity, but they think it's, it's uh, an anachronistic, you know, antiquated for there to be an organization that's solely men, you know, they almost view it like it's sexist or something. And I think there's benefits of, of organizations that have both sexes. I think women benefit from female only organizations and I think men also benefit from from male only organizations. And I think there's a there's a place for everybody. And, and like I, I'm in the Lions Club, and that's a, that's men and women, and everybody benefits from that. But I also think that there's a time and a place where where men just need to be among their peers, and and you know likewise with women, I'm sure that there's a time and place where they would benefit from being away. I know my wife benefits from being away from me every once in a while. So oh, I, know yeah, my that. Wife too. I think uh, your wife and mine will get along just fine. <laughs> so, and know it, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Cause um, that is true. Even my wife will tell me and she'll tell everybody. She's like, yeah, he, you know, uh, Ruben needs his time, you know, with his brothers, with his friends, he needs to be among them because, you know, I can't be suffocating him. And, you know, even when I go to Mexico city for work, I'm gone for a whole week. And she says, Oh, I'm going to miss you, but you know, please get out of here. Like I need yeah. my space too. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I need, I know that, you know, women need that too. And men need that too. Um, you know, it's just, you know, psychologically men and women are wired differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when women are among other women, you know, they, they, um, they understand they, who understands women more than women, you know, like, <laughs> and the same goes for men. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's all about I mean, we're all traveling, you know, through this voyage called life and we're supposed to be constantly growing and we grow in the company of other good men um, that you know, want to help other people that want to learn from other people. Um, and I think Freemasonry is a fantastic channel for that. Yeah, probably one of the few remaining ones as well. Right. So let's let's take a few steps back. I want to, you know, we talked a little bit about our weaknesses in fraternity. How how do you think we could we could correct those? I think we need to remove the fear of something new. Um, you know, which is sort of ironic because we we gladly blindly go through the, the degrees. And, you know, once they, and and we take it all in and we accept it for what it is. And when something new comes up where we can change the course of the fraternity for the better, people are just terrified of it, Uh you know, which, uh, you know, I've, I've never, I've never really seen how one can lead to the other, but I think it's remove the removal of the fear 
of what's new or what's knocking on your door, any opportunity that, that arises instead of, you know, people are terrified of the unknown, right? Um, so instead of shunning it, we should welcome it with open arms and really have a discussion as to whether uh, a, a, a new approach to the fraternity is good or not. It's all about communication. Um, you know, we, we shouldn't be afraid to vote in certain ways um, in Lodge when, whenever, you know, new policies are, are proposed and things like that. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid to voice if we um, if we're um, for or against it. Uh, I, I really think that the removal of fear is the number one thing um, that will that will help us move forward. Yeah, I have found that there have been times where I didn't necessarily agree with something. It seemed like the whole lodge was was going in favor of it. So, but I would go ahead and stand up and just just voice my opinion, just just for the sake of getting him out there. And then I'd quickly realize that other people believe the same thing, mm-hmm. but they were they're almost almost waiting for someone else to stand up. Yeah. And, and so my my point is, you're never the only person that thinks anything. There's always there's always a few other people that that probably feel the same way, but they're not necessarily standing up and saying anything. And it might not be enough people to to uh, change the outcome of any voting or anything, but it should still be known, I think. Right. I mean, and you never know the newer generations that come by. I mean, you pick up some momentum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there, there is a definite fear of, of innovation. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think of it like a, like a vampire when it sees a cross, you know, like it cringes away from it. It's, yeah. it's the same, it's the same mentality, like innovation, you, know, you, you got to, you got to shrink away from it and, and, and not come anywhere near it. But we have to, we have to be willing to, I, I think what you said earlier is, is the most poisonous. And I know, I know you're using it as an example, but it's the most poisonous phrase in any organization. And that is, that's not how we always done things. That that's just a way of, of putting out just a, you know, the brakes on any kind of idea. It, it's a way of trying to end any kind of conversation without any real debate or discussion. And it's, it's harmful because we were so f- busy looking behind us that we, you know, at what's comfortable, what we've always done, that we can't look forward at, yeah. at what, because what, what works, you know, the, the fish trial that worked for 20 years isn't going to work for 20 more years. Communities change. The, the makeup of the lodge changes. Mm-hmm. You can't keep doing it the way you've always done it. You have to be willing to try new things. I completely agree. Tell me a little bit about Laredo Freemasonry. And I ask this because I always hear great things about how you guys do things in Laredo. I have not had the opportunity <laughs> to sit and lodge in Laredo, but everybody I meet from Laredo just is a, is a fantastic brother. And there's definitely something going on there, something definitely different. I don't know if there's something you can put a finger on or if it's just kind of the atmosphere or, or what, but I just want to know if you have any insight on what makes Laredo Freemasonry tick the way it does. Uh, if I tell you, I'd have to kill you, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really don't know what it is. I mean, we've got, um, it's, it really is a class of cultures at Laredo Lodge. You know, you've, you've got some brothers that don't speak Spanish. You've got some brothers that don't speak English. 
you know, mm-hmm. but you know, that's, that's not just the lodge. It's the way Laredo is. Yeah. Um, we've, we've managed to find a way to, you know, coexist and it, it really is a, a beautiful thing. You know, Laredo, something that I love about Laredo and Nuevo Laredo is that we're very, very big on family. You know, family is the number one thing here. And, you know, we even the way we say hi to people, you know, it's, you know, it's a it's a kiss for the women and a strong hug for the guys and the slap on the back. And, you know, it's it always feels like a very it's, it's a very warm culture. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if the lodge has something to do with that or it's just Laredo culture in general. Um, so, you know, it's it's a very welcoming community. Uh, it's something that I'm particularly proud of. Uh, here here in Laredo uh, we, we love to welcome people with open arms that's why I always invite everybody every mason in Texas every mason in the world basically is just come to Laredo uh, come to our, our humble but beautiful lodge uh, sit down with us have some laughs you know get to know the guys you know again they're from they're from all walks of life and I love each and every one of them you know I, I trust my life with them and um you know, I, I really don't know what it is. It's something in the water or some, maybe a, maybe the tacos are better here. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely keeps people happy. But um, you know, Laredo Masonry is great. It's, it's actually Laredo Lodge is one of the few lodges that I know of that meets twice a month. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, we meet uh, second and fourth Mondays of the month. Um, practice every Thursday. And then the appended bodies meet, you know, sporadically throughout the month too. But, um, you know, a lot of people are surprised that say, hey, you know, it's, you, you guys meet twice a month. We only meet once. And I'm like, yep, we're fed at least 24 times a year. So <laughs> <laughs> can't complain. But, you know, it's, I thought that was the norm. And then I started meeting people from other lodges and they're like, no, we meet once a month. You know, and then there are those specialty lodges that meet only a handful of times a year. So, yeah. It's interesting. I've always wondered about that, which you would, uh, I, I just know most lodges that, and granted, not, I'm not speaking ill of any lodges, but most lodges I, I've sat in, you know, it's just business meetings, basically. So I don't yeah. know what you would, I know there are lodges that do meet twice a month, but I'm like, what would you cover? <laughs> you know, yeah. what would you have to talk about after you, after you just do business meetings? But that is, it's very interesting. And are, you, are, is, are y'all doing something different with your with your second meeting or is it no, 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 it's, it's the same, you know, the, they're both stated, all called meetings are usually on Thursdays, mm-hmm. uh, but our, our stated meetings, uh, they're, they're all the same, it can be a double-edged sword, I'm not going to lie to you, because if it's all business, you're just doing business twice a month, and nobody wants to do that, but we are adding a lot of education, um, and we're, we kind of, what's the word, um, between maybe four or five guys at the lodge are usually kind of rotating the topics. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of education in our lodge too. And that's quickly picked up within the last year or so. Um, and it's added so much to our lodge. You know, people are a lot more excited to come now. Um, you know, the pandemic kind of put a damper on a lot of things, but you know, just the meals are, you know, having that back is amazing. Um, we're emphasizing again a lot on the educational part, and it's it's going pretty good. Uh, again, if it's if you're only doing business, um, just following the order, you know, um, 
the regular order of business, yeah, you're you're, you're going to bore people to death. Mm-hmm. But the uh, a lot of people are just they're they're looking forward to 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 the presentations that we give. Um, they've been they've been pretty exciting. Um, gets people interested, you know, it keeps people in lodge after the meeting because they're still talking about it. And that's that's kind of like what I like to see. Yeah, I love uh, that. What's um, what? You know, a lot of people say, well, like you asked me right now, like, what is do you guys do anything different on the second stated meeting? It's not that. But, you know, when if we're trying to get a project up and running, like uh, uh, if we partner with a local, you know, toy drive for Christmas or whatever, you know, we can make decisions quicker if we meet twice a month, because if you're tabling something uh, at a lodge that only meets once a month, the project is never going to get off its feet. Mm-hmm. So sure. doing it, you know, doing it twice a month, you know, you, you can make a decision in two weeks instead of four, you know? Um, so that's, that's helped a lot. <clears throat> and um, it's, it's up to us, man, to keep it alive. You know, everybody has, everybody has project ideas and, you know, not, nothing is, uh, we won't say no to anything. Like, at least me personally, I, mm-hmm. I'm all for any ideas that people have to improve the image of the fraternity, the actual philanthropy side of the fraternity, um, and the, you know, scholarships and things like that, of course, uh, that I, I'm a big proponent of, but, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, twice a month but nobody's nobody's ever really complained that's great yeah. again again i th- i thought i thought that, that was a norm i thought lodges just regularly <laughs> met twice a month yeah. and then I, I got out of the laredo bubble started meeting my brothers from all over the state and they're like what weirdo <laughs> <laughs> what are the dues at laredo lodge uh 80 bucks 80 bucks and the endowments endowment is either 700 or 800 i don't remember I got uh, what uh, I'm an endowed member, but it was $500 back in the day. So yeah, what do y'all primarily do to uh, do you do a lot of fundraising, or is it mostly self-sustaining? It's self-sustaining lodge. Um, I mean, we we do give our scholarships uh, once a year. It's a uh, we average around maybe between 20 and like between 18 and 24 students a year that we give scholarships to. Wow. Um, so that's, uh, that's something that we're pretty proud of when we throw this huge event at the lodge and like they come and the parents are here and um, it is pretty great. What size scholarships do you give? I'm sorry? What size scholarships do you give? Size? Yeah. Like how much, how much are scholarships worth? I believe they're about 800 bucks. Wow. That's yeah. very impressive. So yeah, it's uh, you know Huge. that's been going on for years too. So um, you know, but it is a self-sustaining lodge. Uh, we 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 really do take a lot of we take good care of it. Um, Laredo Lodge has actually moved a handful of times. First we were downtown, then we were kind of by the I thirty five, and then now we're on one of the main uh, uh, roads here in Laredo. Um, but we do the uh, what's called a Silver Plum Award, where we we honor between two and three um, first responders in Laredo. So we do that once a year as well. Um, and we rotate it. You know, Laredo is, a, is very heavy on law enforcement, naturally, you know, because you got your CBP officers, you got ICE, you got DEA, fire department, police department, sheriff's department, you know, you've got it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll rotate it once a year and we'll honor 
uh, one member of the of the um, of those of those organizations um, or those agencies, I should say. Um, that's picked up as well. Um, we do a lot of work with the with the shrine stuff. Uh, Laredo Shrine Club is is a, an affiliate or a branch of Alzafar Shrine in San Antonio, and um, that's picked up pretty heavily here too, especially with the transportation of the patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, <clears throat> I gotta say a big thank you to Aneza Shrine in Mexico City, Nuevo Laredo Shrine Club. You know, they do a lot of the legwork on the Mexican side, and then we're the counterparts on the American side. So, you know, between them and us, we and Alzafar, I should say, we try to procure the funds for the, you know, transportation of the patient and the parent from Laredo to Galveston. But there's a lot that goes in it. Um, you know, we have to we have to form an alliance with uh, Customs and Border Protection. Uh, so the ambulance can skip the line at the bridge because the Mexican ambulance crosses over to the American side and it meets with the American ambulance. The patient is switched from one gurney to the other. And then the um, we apply for their humanitarian visas because, you know, if not, they wouldn't be able to be in the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, Aneza Shrine is the one that does a lot of that. So tip of the hat to them. And, um, you know, and when the, when there's a patient that needs to cross at three, four in the morning, uh, going to the Galveston hospital, you'll see somebody with a fez right on the border. And they, they, they know this already. They see the fez, they see the red shirt and they're like, okay, yeah, let them in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we've, we've created a very strong relationship with the officers at the bridge, um, to get these kids across. And, you know, that's, that's been phenomenal work. I, I, I love being a part of that. Um, we do do the street collections. We do uh, gun raffles. We, but everything is for the transportation fund. That's mm-hmm. kind of like our, it's our main goal is to put money in that, in, in that account. <laughs> that's huge um, though, being able to facilitate that, that a smooth, I mean, that's, I mean, if you're transporting someone in an ambulance, it's, it's pretty urgent. So if you could facilitate a smooth transition, you know, from one yeah. ambulance to another, and you know between countries that's i think that's that's enormous that's a that's a huge service you're able to 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 offer those people yeah and you know it it all goes back to freemasonry you know we we want to create a better world um and again i'm 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 heavily invested in in shrine work um and you know that's one of my ways of doing it you mm-hmm. know I'm, I'm 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 happy that i found that I didn't even know when I became a Mason, I didn't even know that, you know, that the shrine was an appended body. I was, I was that, I was that clueless, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I, I came in blind and you know, it's, I I can talk about shrine stuff all day long. So you stop, you can stop me here and we'll change the subject, but I'm, I'm very passionate about it. And, um, you know, I've seen the work that they do. We just had the TSA in San Antonio last weekend. Last week or the weekend before. Yeah, I think it was last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun. You got 13 temples in San Antonio. Um, over 700 Shriners were in attendance. 
And they're all just talking about, you know, yeah, they love to have fun. Everybody knows that Shriners like to have fun. And you got yeah. your barbecue unit and you got your mini wheels and you got the Bruce Brothers and the shotgun unit and the clowns. And so, you know, it's a fun organization. But at the end of the day, everybody's just talking about how can we better help the kids? Mm -hmm. So when there's the charity aspect of Freemasonry, that's kind of where I've seen it the most. Man. You kind of sold me, man. I might have to go join the shrine here pretty soon. All right. Hey, <laughs> if, if, if you need an address for San Antonio, join Alzafar. <laughs> <I'll help laughs> okay. That's awesome. Well, Ruben, um, it's been a wonderful conversation. Do you have anything that you want to add or any parting thoughts you want to share? No, brother Justin, I would just want to thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you know, it's Laredo. We're kind of like in our own little island down here. Um, Yes, it is where I-35 begins, but we're so far from everything. <laughs> you know, the largest cluster of Masons after Laredo is San Antonio. And it's not a far drive. It's only a couple hours. But and then, and then you got your, you know, San Marcos, your Austin, your Waco, and it spreads out all over the country. I mean, you know, well, Texas is the best country in the United States. So well, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it. Sometimes it's difficult for a lot of us to travel great lengths to other events um, like like Imperial Shrine is going to be in Houston this year. I think I'm going to be going to that, but it is still kind of a stretch um, just getting to Waco every January. Now, I'm not a Grand Lodge officer and I'm not a Grand Lodge member, sorry, uh, but I, I, I will not miss Grand Lodge. I haven't missed it for the last like maybe seven years. I planned my entire year around it. That's so one of the few times I get to see you. So I, I, I know. I hope you can I make know, it. I know. It's <laughs> one of my one of the highlights of my of my weekend up there. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, uh, we we try as much as we can to go to all the um, all the Masonic events that are all over the state. Um, so if you don't see a lot of Laredo brothers, this is going out to everybody. You don't see a lot of Laredo brothers. It's kind of like we're, we're a little further South than a lot of people, um, realize maybe, but we, I do want to uh, send out an invitation to all Texas Masons come down to Laredo and, uh, we'll show you a good time here. Uh, again, we meet twice a month, so we've got the one lodge, so you don't have to worry about which one you're going to come visit. <laughs> But uh, and I want to I want to thank you, Justin, for for inviting me, and I want to thank all the Masons out there who've made me a better person, and all the Shriners out there as well, who uh, you know just through their passion makes me want to put sleep aside a little more just so we can help the kids. So you know it's been a fantastic ride, and uh, Justin, it was fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for inviting me, and uh, you better get to Laredo down soon. Hey man, I got to. I, I I keep hearing good things. Like I said, I need to make that trip. But uh, yep. Ruben, you are you are a, a you know, I, with all sincerity, you are a true light in our fraternity. Like every time I meet with you, and, and we have a conversation, um, I, I walk away feeling energized. I mean, you're just you're such a you're such a positive soul. And I, anytime I talk with you, I always enjoy it. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again uh, very shortly in person. I hope. But uh, thank you again for coming. Now, feelings mutual, brother. Thank you so much for being who you are, for putting this together. And I look forward to seeing you soon.